Hi, Eliana. Hi, Anne. This is our first um, podcast for the Ignoramus Guide to Surviving Humanity. season is going to be about the healthcare system in mainly in the United States, but also how it pertains to countries in the world. Yes, it is going to be <laughs> in real time. Yes, it's going to be with the healthcare system, but because the healthcare system is connected to so many other systems in the U.S., like the economy, etc., we're going to sort of like be reading books that are also connected to those parts as well. Why did we choose our first book? Because basically this is a podcast around certain books to educate ourselves and make us less ignorant. So yes. Well, you were very excited about this book um, in particular. <laughs> excited, excited is <laughs> maybe not the term I would use. Because honestly, I, think... I had never heard of it before, before you're right. like, well, we need to do this book. and We have to do this book first. Yeah, I was kind of like thinking, well, how did the American healthcare system get to where it is? I mean, we can like, it's pretty, it's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) I never like to say, oh, this country is uniquely this or that, but it really feels uniquely bad, actually, like the healthcare system. So I was like, but why is it so bad? (laughs) There's got to be a reason. And um, this book is really good because it does sort of show the, the history of healthcare, how it started and how it changed. And, and really, it does kind of explain, I think it makes a case for why it is the way it is. Yes. So the book that we're talking about is called An American Sickness. Um, it is written by Elizabeth, what is her last name? Elizabeth Rosenthal. If we butchered the last name, I'm so sorry, but uh, I don't, I'm very bad at names. But it was lovely to listen to her on NPR last week um, talk about things uh, pertaining to COVID and wearing masks and messaging. Um, And you'd think I would have remembered how they pronounced her last name then, but I do not. So Elizabeth, that's all I got. Elizabeth R. You're just holding on to that title of ignoramus. You're just holding I am. on to of, of the two of us. I want that title. <laughs> We're just gonna, yeah, you're gonna fight me for it every step yep. of the way. And I'm gonna win. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why that's why we chose it. It's just I think it is pretty comprehensive in the way that it lays out what's really going on how did you hear about this book do you remember (laughs) good question how did I hear about I feel like it was probably one of the many many podcasts that I've listened to you know like when I was trying to figure out (laughs) I just done I've listened to so many podcasts and I get all these ideas for books and then I put them somewhere and I forget where I, where it came from. So <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> we'll get better at that. But um, yeah, I think it was just like, what's wrong with the healthcare system? Probably was what that interview was called. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what is wrong with the healthcare system? And so, yeah, so we were reading this book. Um, and I think she does lay it out pretty well. Like she sort of organizes the book in a way that's understandable she has Um, a lot of examples 
Um, I almost would say too many, um, but I mean, there are so many more examples she could use uh, pertaining to different situations, but it's like, it, I don't know about you, it stressed me out <laughs> to hear example after example after example after example. It was very, it was a stressful read. Like I found it, not only were the examples just like, how could this happen? Like mm -hmm. she just gave so many examples of how it's just really inefficiency, incompetency mm -hmm. and, and really how there's doesn't seem to be any um, consequences for the continual bad care just all around. It just, it seems to be built into the system. That's what she sort of like suggests with all her many, many examples. Um, like as long as they make money, it actually does not matter what the outcomes are. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the way that this system is set up. Cause it's like, she makes a case for it being completely set up in a capitalistic way where like every innovation is about how do you make more money in every single area of the healthcare. So it's like the billing department, like, but also, you know, the doctor visits, the office visits, the lab techs, the like, and now um, like the ambulances, etc mm -hmm. it's like goes on forever and there's like a million ways in which you can make more money in every single area so that's and, that's how that's why there's so many examples of things going wrong and there was uh as we talked before hopping on this this to do this podcast and there's an example <laughs> that um that stuck out to you you want to talk a little bit about that one yeah so um, I guess I should say, let's say, okay, so an example of that, yes, you're right, is where she talks about how this affects, um, how this affects the pharmaceutical companies, like what innovations, the pharmaceutical innovations, the pharmaceutical companies come up with to hold on to the patent of a drug to extend that um, time period because it expires or like just changing the formula in a way that actually doesn't serve it's like the efficiency of the drug. But in one particular case, she talked about a pill that the pharmaceutical company just like pull a, put a gel cap around the pill. And because they put a gel cap, it now has changed its formula. And so that they could then um, charge like a huge markup because of that. But the gel cap actually made it harder for the human body to digest. So it actually made the drug worse, but now it's like so much more expensive. And because um, the patent was running out on the time, so other companies could get in on it and like, you know, lowered the price um, and have competition on it. Uh, they just screwed everybody out of having a good product that was less expensive yeah and she has like so many examples of how they sort of get rid of the competition so even like free market whatever idea it's like this is how they get rid of like the generic drug like there are certain like the over-the-counter drug versus a prescription drug you can't have both you can't have both those things at the same time so that's how they can get rid of a, a lot of their competition by making it a prescription drug 
you immediately get rid of it as a over-the-counter drug. So th yeah. that's just one of the many, many ways that they get rid of their competition so that they can control the price. And she also talks about um, how you're trying to like look up the different prices of the available medication that you have to um, treat whatever illness that you have. And it's like, nobody shares their prices and there's oh. not that system in place. Um, so it's like where you're trying to look for a medication that's maybe comparable in price, like nobody has that list because they don't share that information because then, you know, the consumer would be able to get the lower costing drug and not have to spend $2,000 a month. Yeah, that is, that's an interesting thing though, because don't you have like, just as your own experience, like whenever I go to the pharmacy and I, I have my prescription, I'm always like, is there a generic version? I've never you know, asked I just that. Ask them, oh, really? You should totally ask that. <laughs> well, I also I like me. <laughs> I I hate the healthcare system so much that um, I'm one of those people that I won't go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to. Um, I also won't. I I will do like I always will ask my doctor, is there like a homeopathic way that I can go about this because I don't want to take drugs. I don't want to be dependent on that. And I don't want, cause it's always like, I, I never feel like you're treating um, the cause. Like it's just treating the symptom and it's just right. worsening your body. Like if there's a natural way, that's what I want to do. So I'll take supplements. And even that it's like, you'll have a supplement that one won't really be as potent. And it's, it's just like a bunch of filler. It's like dog food. Yes, um, it's so it's so difficult because you have to do so much research around that. And she actually does um, have an example about that with melatonin, which would okay. be a supplement over the counter. I guess would that be a herb? But you know, some sort of non-pharmaceutical drug, really alternative to sleeping pills. And she's like, there's so much evidence to suggest that it is as effective, but it's not being researched as much because there's no money to be made there. And also it's just not marketed as much. So really like we already have like solutions, you know, that are cheaper, but they're never gonna be the ones that are presented to you. Yeah. I mean, so. though I will say, uh, cause I had trouble sleeping. Um, and like, uh, and we'll, we'll fill you in more of this listeners, listener, maybe there's only one, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I just recently had surgery and I could not sleep. And so my surgeon was like, oh, we'll just do melatonin, which never has worked for me, quite frankly. Yeah. And then I went to my primary care physician who said the same thing. And then my um, cardiologist wow. was like, his solution was, oh, well, then at sunset, take the melatonin. Did it work? No. I mean, no. And, and surely, like, again, doesn't it depend, like we're saying on the actual, you I've know, tried so many different brands. Things. Yeah, I've tried I so mean, many different Honestly, brands. I've tried it as well, and, and it doesn't make any difference to me. No, I'm like... So that's where you're like, this book really falls down because she I mean, is this one example. I, I went, I went the marijuana route and the edible route. And that's the only thing that worked for me, which 
I don't believe probably that. still better than ambient. I don't know. Oh, totally. And I, I don't believe that she talks about, I can't remember if she talks about, um, I don't remember if she talks about yeah. Yeah, or marijuana. Or she probably didn't want to get into a whole nother. It is. It seems like a whole nother book, really. Um, but so was there anything that surprised you? Like as a like ignoramus, fellow ignoramus, did you come away with this? Like, oh, you know what? I didn't know this. Um, I mean, because I know that everything is uh, financially motivated within that industry. And I, so at the end of the book, she gives all of these um, suggestions. And I think it was actually really helpful where it's somewhat really helpful. It's, this is gonna be a tangent. Sorry, I'm not gonna quite answer your question. Um, but she gives us uh, resources like, hey, you can go onto this website and you can research um, uh, like different codes and different procedures. So you can try to like price match um, and then like different hospitals. And then uh, she has these things when you're contesting, which um, like I grew up in a conservative, like Midwestern type family where we didn't really contest anything. So it was like, oh, well, that's the bill. We'll just take it you know um, it's embarrassing actually it would be yeah. like losing faith yeah bringing shame onto you <laughs> totally and it's like and I feel like that's you know I'm like middle class I think that would be most people too just like really also the other thing is you feel like this sense of that doctors or medical staff have some sort of authority right if they say you need something yeah well you think they're say, yeah. saving your life you know and I think um like it's changing a little bit in society and of course like different cultures what they've gone through um they're gonna ask about things and rightly so it's like do I need that like, or even what is or maybe even less like someone who might not be able to speak English that well is it's going to be even harder to to ask these questions because I think yeah. like yeah I mean there's so much actually in this book that I think we should like talk about the solution solution she presents um, in more in depth as well as to like, do these actually make sense? So I have a surprise for you, Eliana. You do? I do, even though you kind of know that have it's Have you there. figured out the solution to all our healthcare problems? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're fucked on that one. This is from when my surgery, like partial. There were like 10 to 15 of these itemized things just for the day of the surgery. Um, so I just want to... I want to have everybody like see if you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, it says like surgical and there's a, a code, code underneath it. And that, yeah. so that's listed there three times. And there's also. So basically one of the things that she suggests in this book is to go through your bill item by item and contest each one to make sure that they're, they're charging you correctly. And so this is just an example of like what, You've shown us two bills. Yeah, so this, this one has the assistant surgeon that yeah. is the same code. And then 
I mean, how are we even supposed to know what these stand for? Exactly. Um, And how are you going to get that pre-surgery, right? So this is another one where it's an assistant surgeon. It doesn't have the S, right? So how many assistant surgeons are there? And why are there different six? Does that mean there's six assistant surgeons? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Because this one has, uh, yeah, different codes for all of them. So I don't know if they helped on something else or not. Um, But going back to the first bill. So under the first one, it says uh, 33413 is the surgical. Clearhealthcosts.com is the first one. And um, here I've already put in the replacement for an aortic valve. Now, this says 3,406. Now, another one she also gives is Fair Health Consumer. And so again, this code. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So so that's the thing. Like, so what she's suggesting, and she does give like pretty good descriptions of what the differences are in, in all these uh, websites. She gives like about 10 websites and it's like each one gathers the information in different ways, you know? Um, And so, but the problem is we're supposed to type in that code into these websites before surgery so that you can figure out where to go. Like, this is one of her basically suggestions for how to protect yourself. And it's like, it just felt, yeah, but it felt impossible because as you can see from your medical bill, it's like you have already like nine different codes. And it's like, before you have your surgery, there's no way to really get hold of your codes, really. I mean, I, I've had the experience of just asking for what a normal procedure would cost and like being told, like, there's no way to tell me. Yeah. So how totally. are you gonna get like a specific code and then like all the items in that code before one, finding the doctor, like there's so many steps before you get to the code. Like you have to find the doctor <laughs> in network, but, and then the doctor has to, I don't know. I mean, the doctor themselves, the specialist will have some sort of connection with a, a facility already. So it's like, you can't really shop. You can't be like, I want this person in this hospital. Like it all has to be connected. Like there's a route that you're guided on. You don't get to choose. You're not like, I want these shoes from JCPenney's and I want... <laughs> you know, this dress from Bergdorf, like you don't, you don't get to do that. Yeah, you don't get to do that. So basically, um, the only other option that she's kind of suggested, suggesting after you've had the surgery is then to contest each item line. So it's like, yes. And so that she does give you like a, here's the letter to send, but it's so aggressive to me and demanding that it's like if I read that I would I would be as a customer service person like put off and been like "Mm, I'm not no no like there's so many 
better ways I feel like to get people to help you out like um even my therapist who used to be a lawyer out in LA was like you need to call your um call Cedar sinai is where I got all of mine done and it was like you know I think you have I've heard that you have a charitable wing and I just wanted to see if there's any way that I can be considered for it so this is before you get the surgery though as if before or as close to after the surgery as you can because they have you know money put aside just for these things so does this mean that you, because like then we were looking at what your insurance paid for the surgery, yeah. which was astronomical. Insane. Um, so it came up to like just shy of 900,000. That's what the insurance paid, supposedly paid for it. But yes. then there was a discount of like, I don't know, a few tens of thousands that apparently yes. the insure. And then, but then from your insurance yourself, out of pocket costs, it was like a thousand for you. Yeah, because right? of because of COVID and because I lost my job, um, I got to be put on this amazing insurance subsidized by the government. Thank you for covered California, um, where I had like I paid two hundred a month and I have a thousand dollar deductible. So unheard of, unheard of. <laughs> so one good thing came out of COVID at least, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> I got to work out this system, got to be terrified in the hospital. Like, will I get COVID? Who knows, know. you know, yeah. with my heart just getting uh, chopped up and put back together. Um, but yeah, it's like, you've got to find those ways to work the system because had I not had I had my employer's insurance, I would have been at minimum paying like six grand for this. Yeah, because your deductible would be my deductible yeah. when I had a bronze blue shield PPO was like seven thousand dollars. And so. then it's like I had an HMO because I was told that that would be like I switched to an HMO. And then I the day before I had the surgery, was told that I couldn't have it because I hadn't gone through the proper channels, even though I already had gone through the proper channels and they were trying to put me through again. So I had to change to a PPO and delay the surgery. I think for anyone that's not in the US, it's just not gonna make any sense because that's it's fair. so complicated. It's like, I mean, even people, some people in the US who have good plans have never really dealt with any huge health issues probably don't even know that it can be this convoluted if you have to change plans if yeah. you like you're saying in between jobs or anything like that um you know suddenly you're in this weird loophole bureaucratic kafka-esque like hellhole where yeah. one person is telling you one thing you follow their advice and you can still come back to do it again and I will say it like I think her book is very helpful for those people who do not have insurance. Because if you're not, if you don't have insurance, you're not paying every month for um, what if health care is at least what I refer to it. Um, then if you are going in to get surgery or get something done, then you can at price shop. You can go to all of these different places um, because then it's like, 
but you can know, you, I mean, nothing's in network because you're, you're not, you don't have healthcare, but can you really afford it? I mean, like if you can afford to pay, like what was one of the websites saying like $36,000, right. But you can also like, you're in a position more to negotiate. I feel like where, yeah, okay. because I will even say um, an example, my sister doesn't have health insurance and she wanted to get dental work done. And they're like, well, do you have insurance or don't you? Because if you have insurance, you're not going to contest things like, cause whatever your copay is or whatever that is like you're covered. So they can just put whatever prices they want and they're not necessarily going to get contested by the insurance company. Right. And I, she does cover that a little bit in the book. Yeah. Um, and why the prices are so high. I mean, I'm uh, still not even that clear on how or why. Well, I like, think they, they do as much as they can get away with. And oh, then if people are contesting it, then they like chip off a little, but they're still making a fucking killing. I don't, can then, we use those words yet? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think considering the gravity of our, <laughs> I mean, considering the gravity of our subject matter, we can use any <laughs> fucking word we want. Right. So, um, but okay, but wait, sorry, I digressed. Going back to your point of calling cyanide the charitable wing of the hospital, would that mm-hmm. then cover your deductible? I mean, it could. I didn't do it, quite frankly. I should have. Um, and this is, I mean, you still, still could, you still it's could been a little too far out, uh, where do you I don't... think so? Cause I have gotten bills from UCL. I had like a routine <laughs> procedure from UCL and medical. And I was like, which is like, honestly, I would never go to them again, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was getting bills like months later. And even I got a bill like for thousands of dollars a year later. Hmm. And I had to contest that. And it was like, they were like, I don't we don't know why you were sent that. I'm like, oh, well, thanks for stressing me out for no reason. Yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is, I think the healthcare system, because it's so like, for example, what one of the things I think she makes is that, points that she makes is that every single thing has like 50 million different price points because yeah. you have so many different insurance companies. You have like so many different variables, right? So there is actually it's such an unwieldy um system that i think they're incredibly inefficient and you could like months later call to be like you know because they might not have gone to you i don't know <laughs> so it's possible <laughs> one of the f- examples that she was saying that stuck out to me was um this woman took her like 14 year old kid might be off on that um, in uh, because she was having, I don't know, she was having something uh, done and or having some symptoms. And um, they told her and freaked her out and said that you need to have, like she needs to have a, a brain procedure, like open her skull up and brain surgery. Um, and they just scared her, you know, so much because it's her daughter's life, you know? And it's like, so she didn't really have time. It was like, well, do I save her? Or do I let her die? You know, kind of <laughs> thinking. And it's like, she's a choice, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Elizabeth R uh, was saying that, you know, she had a similar thing, but she had the, like, 
she knew to, she had resources. So she called a friend who was in healthcare and asked like, is this a thing that I need to have done? And they're like, no, 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 no. So she was able to be like, oh, have that peace of mind and not like scared out of her fucking mind um, and trying to save her daughter's life. So what, like, you're having these unnecessary procedures done just because you don't have the resources and you don't know. And it's like in this emotional thing where it's like, you know, does she live or die? That's really how you're thinking about it. And it doesn't like, you're not, cost isn't, it's like there, but that's not what's, you know, motivating you. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're not going to be like, oh, I don't want to pay $50,000 for my daughter's life you know yeah. even if you didn't have that you would try to make it happen you're like right? i'm gonna like, figure it out like with this yeah, needs to be done yeah because that's what you're thinking and i think that's the other takeaway from this book which is very depressing is that like everybody has to be treated like they're criminals like in the system because you kind of are yeah. like you know these doctors uh, and she does make a point to be like a lot of people come into the healthcare pr profession with good intentions, you know, but the system makes it that um, the system just makes it that the bottom line is to make money. And so as a patient, you really just have to look at them like they're used car salesmen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's basically what she's laying out in this book so you have to treat them that way as in like on in on every level like questioning their judgment on every single thing like even to the point where she was saying she did this example of like if you're in the hospital and then someone comes to check on you <laughs> and like I was like how do you do that you tell like a nurse or something to stay away from me yeah because <laughs> you won't know and it's like, what? Uh, so I was like, when I was in the hospital, um, I had the thing where I couldn't get out of bed or the alarm would go off. And so I had to have assistance going to the restroom, you know, if I had to pee. So what am I going to like, be like, are you only here <laughs> because I did the button and I have to pee? Is it something and else? I'm going to get and charged. Like, Is this an meantime, itemized bill item? <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, I'm like peeing myself, you know, having to go yeah. through all of this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, so that's the kind of the problem with the cases that, or rather the solutions she comes up with, they're not really that doable. Like, I just no. don't think anyone can go through Especially a major heart like, surgery like yours. Well, and if it's an emergency thing, like you don't have yeah. the time to go through all of those steps because it's a full-time job. It's calling everybody and, you know, doing all of this research and as much as you can, price shopping and it's just like you, you know Possible. when it's like a fear driven thing you don't you can't do it yeah it's it's not possible so really the only solution in this whole crazy <laughs> system <laughs> is actually the one that you came up with you came up with but also that you had which was you have to get the best insurance for the cheapest price but like mm -hmm. you know you it doesn't make sense also to get the best insurance out of pocket and pay like 500 or 600 dollars no 
a month. So that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then, but, then it's like, if you're just getting this procedure done, then it's like, get that. And then once that's all taken care of, switch to the cheapest one. You think that's... If you're able to. So like six months. Um, yeah. Or, but there's also only a specific time in the year that you can switch plans. Yes. Which... For the yeah. United States, I don't know how. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone else does that. That's crazy. Yeah, because they're <laughs> set up so much better. Well, yeah. Or if also, you like get a divorce, then you can. Or if you lose your job or uh, switch yeah. to a new job, like there are these other things that can trigger it changing. You have to have like but... major life events in order to change your uh, insurance plan. Yes. And, um, and you, you know, it's like, I, I had somebody guiding me <laughs> on like yeah. how to do this and how to work the system a little bit, because without that advocate, like I don't, I would have been paying so much more and it just would have been a mess. Yeah. So the end and the conclusion to this, reading this book, like going into this being like, we're pretty <laughs> ignorant about the healthcare system. How are we going to know about it and protect ourselves <laughs> and find solutions? At the end of this whole book, we're like, hire someone. Yeah. That's <laughs> because that's it's true. like, I mean, geez, it's just that book stressed me out. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists. It yeah. sheds light on a lot of things. But it's like case after case after case after case of like horrible thing stresses me out. And then even the solutions that are in place, the, the solutions to get around what we currently have are just atrocious and time consuming and not applicable to every instance, you know? Or even, and even if it is applicable, the amount of time it would take for you to go through all her suggestions. And like we were saying, they don't even make sense. Like, for example, the whole thing about you can choose your doctor, but then you can't choose the place that you get the surgery. Right. So it's like you can't, like in a, in her utopian world, which is not even, she's not saying this is utopian <laughs> at all, but like even in her suggestions is that you would be able to have the choices if you had the knowledge, but you actually don't. You don't actually have those choices even with those that, that knowledge. Yeah. So that's like the depressing part of it. Um, but it is, I think, a really good book in that it does hold these things accountable. And um, I will say that the other thing that it made me depressed about <laughs> is that it highlighted the problem with these charitable foundations. Like that was like a little bit like, okay, so I was already a little bit suspicious of certain charitable foundations, but she's like, because I know that they have so much money and it's like, again, if they're going to treat their NGOs like a corporation, you know, there's some ethics involved that I think are pretty nuanced and complicated. But she even makes the point that within this capitalistic system, these like the Diabetes Association or, you know, she, she mentions different foundations. They are only gonna do research into a drug to treat this disease that they're apparently, you know, advocating if it makes money. Like they actually look at, at, at it as venture capitalism, like what venture philanthropy is what the, the, the term, that they coined for mm -hmm. even charitable organizations. So now I'm like, if I see one of those like 
breast cancer awareness or breast cancer research or cancer research foundation i'm immediately like thinking well i don't you know you have to do your research on everything yeah you have to do your research on everything but also most likely um, a huge foundation like that will have so much money mm-hmm. and they're probably going to manage it in a way like she's suggesting because it's almost like now you're looking at it like shareholders and a board and etc and so they'll think of the research in a way of like how do we actually make money yep so that's disheartening that's disheartening um (laughs) it's probably and these things can probably apply to almost every area like in the in like the world in terms of like if it's just purely capitalistic yeah i mean trace the trace the money like trace how look at how they're set up look at it's all finances (laughs) yes it's all yes it all comes down to economic so yeah um well I was thinking about this if it all comes down to finances Mm -hmm. you know and really like one of the things that she does advocate or kind of like, she doesn't come out and, and say it outright, but she is quite, she makes the case for Medicare for all, right? She doesn't like right. come out and be like, okay, I'm for it. But she does make the case in the book because it's like a system already in place. Right. If we're going to not totally tear the structure down and rebuild, which that's not going to happen. It's like what she does make a great case about like how to alter what we already have in place. And that's like lowering, um, lowering the age gradually to pay into Medicare. The Medicare for all thing is something that we could explore more. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a book by someone. I think it's Abdul Al a, a robot. I think person. it's like I think it's Dr. Abdul Al Sayed called Healing Politics. Um, so that's one of the books that we want to do. But also on the other hand, like I was thinking, because it is about finances and like a lot of the case against um Medicare for all is like, how do we afford it? And so uh the other book that I want to do is The Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton. Things to look forward to for season one of the Ignoramus's Guide to Surviving Humanity. Thank you. You took your team so well. I can read. Again, Ignoramus. <laughs> winning, winning this one. Yay. Okay. <laughs>